This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. Welcome to the City of God podcast, where we are weekly looking at today's biggest cultural issues all through the lens of God's infallible word. I am joined by my good friend and co-host, John Rabe, and also today by Lauren Cooley, who's joining us as well, who is the director of the Institute for Faith and Culture and also the director of the Center for Christian Statesmanship. So double director, a double director. Absolutely. Even one directorship would be exhausting to me. And yet Lauren here is a double director. Director I'm already squared. Impressed. Yeah. Director squared. <laughs> um, John and Lauren, today we're talking as many have known for the last couple of weeks about the story in Nashville, the, mm. the tragedy at Covenant Presbyterian Church and Covenant School. Uh, I'm a pastor in the Presbyterian Church in America, uh, which was the denomination of the church and the school. So this really hit close to home for me. I know the senior pastor uh, of uh, Covenant Presbyterian School who, at, at church and school, who not only dealing with the tragedy that has hit his congregation and school, but as we know, uh, tragedy has struck his home and his family, losing his nine-year-old daughter, Haley Scruggs. Um, uh, but the, the story unfolded a couple weeks ago, a uh, deranged shooter enters into the school, actually the church first, targeted, uh, we, as far as we know, targeted the senior pastor's family and the headmaster, amongst others, mm. then went to the school. And all of a sudden, in a matter of minutes, six innocent lives were taken. We are still unfortunately left to sort of infer why this may have occurred. Uh, the, the shooter apparently left some sort of note, some sort of manifesto that has not yet been released. So we don't really know the motivations, although many have inferred motivations, but uh, it, terrible and, and heartbreaking news that we all received from Nashville. And I, I think it's important to to discuss this because this was um, an individual who identified as transgender. She was born female. She had lived as a female, had a female name, uh, had female genetics, but had recently adopted a male identity, a transgender identity. And in this case, it has turned the normal paradigm of how one of these shootings, uh, what, what the reaction to nationally to one of these shootings is where we all recognize the enormity of a, of a school shooter coming in and taking innocent lives, and yet somehow this transgender identity issue has become involved in such a way that there are those who are almost, if not defending this this shooter's actions, are at least excusing to some degree this this shooter's actions. And when we get to that point, uh, we've we're we're literally losing our humanity. John, you're absolutely right. And most school shootings or mass shootings anywhere, you see this political conversation, especially amongst the media, talking about gun control. And sometimes there's praise of the police officers that came in and, and saved the day. Or there's these conversations about uh, what's the best way to harden our schools. And there was a very little conversation like that this time. And it switched immediately to this conversation about trans identity and who's the real victim here. Yeah. And, and for us, especially with me being a, a graduate of Westminster Academy, very similar to Covenant, you know, watching this unfold, I'm going, the victims here are, are the, the students and the, the staff that were killed, the, the Christians that were clearly targeted. And if you watch the news, if you watch the media, it sounds like the victims uh, are really 
people with a with a trans identity, not even involved in, in, in Nashville and Tennessee, but just across the nation. And to see that change is confusing and, and frankly alarming. It's amazing the amount of empathy that has been demonstrated towards the transgender community versus the, in my opinion, uh, the lack of empathy that has been shown by the mainstream media towards the innocent victims that lost their lives. I think I, I just heard a couple of days ago that Madonna is going to Nashville to hold a concert to raise money and awareness for transgender uh, people in that community and throughout the nation. I just, I mean, the timing could not be worse, but what should we, why should we expect anything different from pop culture? Well, and, and that's, it's, it's just such a strange juxtaposition that we have here where, as you point out, it, you know, in, in so many times in these shootings, as you mentioned, Lauren, there are the arguments about gun control and so forth. And, and it's almost this perverse thing where one of these shootings happens and every side in the, the Twitter wars sort of sits and waits anxiously, yep. hoping, see? See? yeah, hoping that happens? the shooter is yep. a member of the other yep. group. But Absolutely. in this in this case, we actually saw it writ large, and and you you have this flipping of who's the victim here and who's the perpetrator. Just a couple of quick examples. These were some of the most prominent ones. Terry Moran uh, anchoring ABC News's coverage. ABC News, one of the three, uh, you know, longtime major yeah. networks, said, quote, the shooter identified herself as a transgender person. The state of Tennessee earlier this month passed and the governor signed a bill that banned transgender medical care for minors, as well as a law that prohibited adult entertainment, as well as male and female impersonators after a series of drag show controversies in that state, unquote. How those connect to the school shooting is is beyond comprehension unless it's to say well, you can see a motivation for the shooter here. One other, Benjamin Ryan, NBC News, the other of our three ancient networks, said, uh, tweeted, NBC has ID'd the Nashville school shooter as, and I won't use her name, uh, 28 years old, who identifies as transgender and had no previous criminal record. Nashville is home to the Daily Wire, a hub of anti-trans activity by Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, and Michael J. Knowles. Yeah. This is nothing less than than victim blame. Absolutely, and this is the rhetoric, the, the rhetoric that you're seeing on social media and the mainstream media is basically you could boil it down to this. What do you expect, right, in a culture where we demonize transgender people, where we don't uh, give them uh, the, the same rights as others, which is a farce, uh, when uh, you, you have uh, schools and denominations and uh, other uh, thought leaders uh, that bash gay people and transgender people, which they don't, uh, you know, what do you expect? It's almost like, well, uh, th this individual had every right to kind of act out almost uh, in, in the most heinous ways. I mean, that basically it was the, uh, the Christians and anybody that stands for God's design for gender and sexuality was somehow provoking this individual uh, to commit this incredibly heinous crime uh, a few weeks ago. Now, both of you, as, as you mentioned, Lauren, you went to Westminster. Rob, you did as well. That's the uh, the PCA-operated school here at Coral Ridge Presbyterian yep. Church in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and now, Rob, you, of course, are the pastor of the church that, that uh, the school belongs to. So let me ask both of you, because you have both experience as students and as, uh, as people in authority over the school— the the notion here that's not even unspoken, it's actually being sort of subtly spoken, is that whatever um, whatever is going on in these schools is so bigoted and there, there is such an anti 
uh, an anti-transgender animus there that's motivated by hate that, of course, you would have to expect something like this to eventually happen. In fact, one uh, one uh, activist, one who had co-founded the Trans Student Educational Resources Group said, as we learn more, it's clear that the Nashville Covenant School is a right-wing institution in which uh, the shooter and many others were abused. So as two people involved with Christian education, I think we need to dispel this idea um, that a Christian education that takes a biblical view is somehow abusing people and is somehow promoting hate mm. because that's the the narrative that's taken wing in our culture. Well, I mean, I can only speak from my personal experience, but at Westminster Academy, we were, t- we were taught God's design for gender and for, for marriage and sexuality. I don't know that I ever even heard the phrase transgender. I mean, I, I graduated in 2010, so it was a little while ago, but we believe in teaching God's word in a biblical worldview. It's it's not bashing other worldviews. It's not bashing other people. Uh, that's, that was my experience. I think that it comes from a place of love and compassion. And, you know, when we're talking about these things that media anchors have said, when, we, when political pundits have said, it, the unspoken thing is you had it coming to you. You know, yeah, sure. and, and, yep. and for yep. me to think, like that, I said, almost justify. Yes. For me to the think actions. that going to Westminster Academy and, and being a student there <laughs> means that I have it coming to me. Yeah, it, it's just it's it's it, it's mind boggling because right. it's just not there's this dichotomy of it's the Christian school versus the transgender individual. And that's just not the case. Yeah, it, it's interesting, John. You, and we've dealt with it in, you know, at the media ministry, you know, being labeled a, a hate group mm-hmm. by the Southern Poverty Law Center. We have allowed the progressive left in our culture to redefine the word hate. Yes. And I think that's the biggest problem. Hate now is defined as being faithful to the word of God. Hate is defined in our culture by being faithful for God's design concerning marriage, gender, family. And so... Somebody who is biblically faithful to God's design for the world can now be labeled a hate group yeah. uh, to declare God's design for marriage, gender, and sexuality is now declared and considered hate speech. And so I think that's really the biggest problem. And, and really, the church is to blame. We've allowed this to happen by privatizing the Christian faith for not being a public witness in the public square of ideas and, and bringing God to the forefront, his ideas and his word, and being a faithful public witness. We have been, uh, they've, they've allowed the church and those who hold a Judeo-Christian worldview in our nation to be silent uh, and to be silenced even further. And uh, part of it is just our unwillingness to engage. I, and so I think we've really, we've really got to challenge the progressive culture's redefinition of the word hate, because it's not God's definition of the word hate. And so we've got to be able to stand up and say, no, I, we will not allow you any longer to label us a hate group. We will not, no longer allow you to label Able our convictions concerning the word of God to be hate speech or hate beliefs, uh, that's just that's just dead wrong. And, and we need to stand up and, and push back uh, against this redefinition of hate in our current culture. I think that's a, a really central point to all this because and, and, and everybody listening needs to understand how this works now. Uh, everybody's reaction, any Christian's reaction 
is or at least should be, well, I don't I don't hate anybody, and I, I don't hate transgender people. I don't hate uh, homosexuals. I don't hate any—it's not about hate. That's our natural internal reaction. But because of that internal reaction, it can cause us to sort of— put aside the truth or to be afraid to voice the truth. And, and uh, the cultural elites are playing a very tricky game here, where, as you said, hate is redefined. Disagreement is now hate. My my decision to uphold God's design by using proper pronouns as opposed to whatever pronouns you've chosen for yourself today uh, is now considered hate and even considered to be genocide. You're trying to erase trans people. You, trans people exist and you're trying to erase them. No, we're not trying to erase anybody. It's simply saying I, I stand with, with God's design, but in a culture that interprets any sort of disagreement on these issues as hate, the deck is already sort of stacked against us. And the, the choice is either to, to retreat or to say, even with the, decks, the deck stacked against me, we're going to move forward with the, the truth in well, and the, and the problem is because two of the major industries in America, um, the mainstream media that control all the networks and, uh, you know, big tech and mm -hmm. the educational system in America, because they're all controlled by the progressive lefts, they're the ones that are able to dictate the rules. They're the ones that are able to set the agenda and uh, allow the rules of the game to be defined while we're just sitting on the sidelines being silenced and being canceled. And so if they say uh, this is hate speech or this is bigoted or this is uh, contrary to what we believe as a nation or as a culture, then anybody like us that holds to a Judeo-Christian worldview, anybody who declares God's truth as the truth for all people uh, and the truth by which we live our lives to, we will be shamed, silenced, and eventually canceled. And look at the repercussions of, of the church being silent, right? We, we have only lived this private faith. We haven't been yep. bold on these issues. And then look what happens. Because we're silent, other people define us. Other mm. people define God's word and God's yeah. worldview. And so we're left being criticized, redefined, attacked, and blamed for things where in this case, in this school shooting, Christians were the victims. Yep. And so for anyone who says, well, we should be silent because we should be kind— We've already seen what that looks like. We've already seen how that plays out. It doesn't work. So there's yep. really no other option. And, and on the other side of this, and I think this is important for this podcast and for our audience, we can't n just be known as the people that rail against, against. the progressives yeah. and, and shake our fists at mainstream media and education. We also have to we also have to answer with the truth. We also have to be able to articulate our convictions in such a way that people that might disagree with us at least understand that where we're coming from and what our motivation is. As I tell our people all the time at Coral Ridge, God's design for the world, for marriage, for gender and sexuality is not meant to be oppressive or burdensome. It's actually meant to lead to human flourishing for all people. I think that message often gets lost in the rhetoric and the debating and the back and forth and and the, and the disagreements that turn so hostile so quickly. I'm about to start a sermon series at Coral Ridge, and what I want to show our people from Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, God's design and blueprint for the world and for humanity, for male and female and for gender and I concerning identity and marriage is 
the one means by which this world and all humans in it can flourish. Like you, it's, you know, I use the illustration of a, a kid, you know, on Christmas morning, you know, that doesn't have the, uh, the instructions of how to put together his Lego set. It's going to be chaotic, right? But when you build the Lego set, according to the designs of the manufacturer, it, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's artwork. It's a masterpiece at the end. Same thing goes for God's design for the world and for humanity. When we go according to God's design, human flourishing happens. When we go and work against God's design, chaos, that's what we're seeing in Nashville. That's what we're seeing in Louisville. That's what we're seeing all around the nation. We cannot look at the state of our nation and go, 40, 50 years of removing God out of the public square and moving towards a secular society has led to human flourishing. There's no way. That's that's not opinion. That is fact. Nobody would could go and look at the numbers and the state of our union and go, we are better off as a nation and a society for removing God and removing his word from the public square of ideas. Yeah, these things are measurable. They're observable by Absolutely. every conceivable category. We yep. are doing worse. But that, Rob, and anticipates a question that I really wanted to ask both of you on this. And, and by the way, I think it's important too that Christians always keep in mind, and this is really hard to do today, but keep in mind that Twitter isn't real. Facebook isn't real in no. the sense that TikTok is not real. It's all TikTok's not real. <laughs> it, they, all of it is designed to stoke you. All of it is designed to make you feel alienated from other people. All of it is designed to spark outrage. And so, uh, talk to real people. If, if if actual people sit down and talk about this stuff, you find that there's more of an ability to get to that truth. But the the question you were anticipating, Rob, that I want to fill out a little bit more is. Okay, this charge is made that what's be what's going on at that Covenant Christian School was abuse. What's going on at Westminster Academy is abuse because of what you believe about human sexuality and God's design. How is it not hateful? How is it, in fact, how do we respond to that charge with the the compassion of of God's actual design for things? Well, I think one thing that we need to keep in mind is that, as Rob is explaining, God's will for our lives and for the world is for us to flourish. It's for us to be happy and to be fulfilled and to live life to the fullest. And if we as Christians truly believe that, for the same reason we're compelled to share the gospel, we're compelled to share the truth about the inner workings of humanity and the environment and the world that we live in. And so to see someone like the transgender shooter, obviously upset, uh, questioning life, frustrated, feeling um, oppressed, confused. That's someone that we should go and love. That's someone that we should go and say, God has a plan for your life. Mm -hmm. God designed your life to be something of worth and of note. And, you know, you can't rewrite history. I have no idea if there was anyone speaking into that individual's life. But my goodness, I mean, imagine if we, we could go back in time and explain God's design for that individual's life, what could be different? Um, at the end of the day, if we truly believe this as what's best for all people, we're compelled to go and share that. It's not something that we go, well, great, I've got the answer. I live according to what God has for me, but everybody else, you figure it out on your own. For us, it's we're compelled to share this because we know it's good news. We know that it's a blueprint for a, for a flourishing and happy and fulfilling life. Absolutely. It really starts with the pastor in the pulpit 
having the conviction and the courage to talk about these issues and to see every moment in culture, every moment in society as a worldview shaping moment. This is a worldview shaping moment for our churches and for the people of God in America. Uh, I've often said, what happens in a society when we teach generation after generation that they are a cosmic accident Mm -hmm. in the classroom? We should not be surprised. We should be heartbroken, but we should not be surprised when we see school shooting after school shooting. When you teach a generation that they are a cosmic accident, that they have no inherent worth or value, you deny the existence of God, you deny the image of God in all people, you can expect nothing but chaos. And this is an opportunity for pastors to recapture the moment, to recapture the prophetic voice of the people of God in America right now, and to say, no, we can speak truth in love in this cultural moment, in this time in history, and be able to say, this is what happens. But here's the pathway forward. You go back 2000 years ago when you had a pagan culture like Rome uh, that was teaching basically the same things that our secular culture is teaching today, uh, that, uh, you know, um, that man does not have inherent value. Uh, women have no worth, children have no worth or value. And then here comes along these Christians that are teaching this whole new worldview and this whole new ethic. And what happened? Rome collapses. The church prevails as the city of God, hence the name of this podcast. And it brought hope and human flourishing to the entire known world. We need to learn from history starts with the pastors preaching on these topics from a biblical worldview, speaking truth and love. And then it requires the people of God sitting out there on the weekends, going out into the marketplace and the public square and in other communities and having these conversations as Deuteronomy 6 calls us to do as the people of God around the dining room table before your children go to bed at night, when the children are rising, that parents are having these conversations with their children. They're not not sheltering their children from the news uh, or for what's happening in society, maybe some of the news they should be mm-hmm. sheltering them from, but what's happening in, you know, in, in history right now and in our nation and being able to say, here's how God's word responds. Here's how God's word informs how we think about these issues and how we move forward as the people of God. But we've got to be able to uh, say that in a culture and a society that has removed God's word and removed the teaching concerning the image of God in all people, it's really up to us the remnant, the people of God, uh, by which we can continue to be salt and light in a very broken culture right now. When we look at what happened in Nashville, you really do see this this complete uh, nihilism of, of, again, taking the hope away uh, of God's design. And so you have, you know, regardless of what the, the manifesto that has yet to be released, you have a transgender person, which means that she's denying God's design for her and, and the the, the, what God has imprinted on her walking into a school and killing six people, wiping out the image of God in, in six innocent people, including three children under 10 years old. This is the, this is an absolute denial of God and of his design. The tricky part in this is as we share it, uh, is the reality of sin and the need to, to, uh, the need to point sin out as well. The, the tricky part of it being, we don't want to become a rage 
rage, you know, a social media fed rage mob that's right. just bashing people. Um, but we also don't want to, uh, we, we can't let it go uh, for the fact, uh, for fear of the fact that people react hostily. Um, people react to conviction in a hostile way sometimes. And the fact that we're receiving a hostile reaction doesn't necessarily mean right. we're wrong. It could, we should examine We need to remember that the most loving thing that we can do is to call out sin. Yeah. But with a spirit of grace and humility, realizing that our sin, our individual sin is enough to condemn us to hell forever. So we're, we're, we're not pointing out sin as if we are the ones that are without sin. Uh, but so in a spirit of humility and in a spirit of grace, the most loving thing we can do is to call out sin and to say, when you live contrary to God's design, not only is it sinful, it is you're, you're, you're lacking the, uh, the opportunities in life for full flourishing. When you live Contrary to God's design for your life, uh, contrary to the gender that he has given you and the identity that he has imprinted on you as, as an image bearer of the most high God, you, and when you reject that and deny that you can only expect chaos. I mean, it's, it's to, to not shout from the rooftops to, to warn them of what they're doing in their lives and the chaos that will ensue uh, in their lives because they're living contrary to God's word is actually the most unloving thing we could do. So to be silent is unloving. To be vocal in a spirit of humility is the most loving thing we can do today. One of the things that we know uh, from th the studies and, and the actual numbers is that um, it's over 40% of people who identify as transgender will attempt suicide at some point. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is, you know, the excuse that's given for that as well, it's a hostile culture who, uh, you know, spews all this hate and so forth. Well, we're seeing now that even a school shooter is being somewhat excused because she was transgender. Uh, there's never been a more affirming time to be transgender. In fact, a time when you'll be socially celebrated. And yet that suicide attempt rate has not dropped at all. Uh, that shows that there is a certain sort of misery that comes with sin, even if we think that Absolutely. it's going to satisfy. And and there's a group of people that are absolutely stoking that um, that that chaos in in the sense that you yes. even heard from the White House, uh, I think the press secretary saying, well, trans kids are tough and they fight back. Why would you ever say something like in that? The wake of a in shooting. the wake of a school shooting. Yeah. Sure. It's so radically dangerous and yep. out of touch with reality. It's just stirring the, and stirring the pot. For, for, for us as Christians, we always say the phrase, like, you will know we are Christians by our love. We're not going and saying, I'm condemning you or I'm judging you for that specific sin, right? The, whatever sin it is, there's there's a reason why we think there, an, an alternate lifestyle or belief system makes more sense, and that's based off of God's word. But we're not saying like that particular sin is bad and I'm judging you for it. We're saying, hey, we see where you're going and where you're going is eternal hell and we're scared to death about it and we love you so much. We want to try to pull you back from that. Yeah. Right. And I think when we when we say it like that, that shows our heart, yeah. that shows our love. It's not a God will judge. God will condemn. He's 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 a God of love. He's a God of judgment. That's not what we're doing. We're going after people saying, I see where you're going. I want to I want to help save you from that. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I think 
you know, just Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church right now is an incredible case study by God's grace. We have a, 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 a transgender individual in our congregation. We have uh, two uh, gay individuals in our congregation uh, that I know of. Um, but, but I don't think if, if you're a member of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, I think you're. it's very clear where we stand. Uh, I preach on these issues. I preach uh, concerning God's design. But I think what we've proven is we also are a place where you can find healing and find hope. And I think we're, I, I think, uh, I think these individuals that I just referred to, uh, they, they look at our church and it's kind of like a conundrum. It's like, they can't figure it out. Like, Cause it's not the stereotype. Right. Okay. They're, they're bold on their convictions, but, but this is a place where maybe I can find healing and hope. And I think them coming back every week is proof to what you just said, Lauren. I think deep down inside every human being, because they've been created in the image of God is longing to be satisfied is longing for fulfillment, and they've bought the lie of the culture that they can find peace and find satisfaction and find um, hope apart from God's design by taking matter. But isn't that the problem of Genesis 3? Right. We've always been saying, God, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to live autonomously. I'm going to be my own God in exactly. order to find the things that I know deep down inside probably I can only find in God. And that's what we need to be sharing uh, with the people in our congregations, the people in our communities, that we we are are not preaching this and holding our convictions to be hateful, but instead, it's the most loving thing that we can do. Uh, that there is no peace, there is no hope, there's no satisfaction by living contrary to God's design, but embracing God's design for your life is the only way that you can experience full human flourishing. Well, our our time ran by very quickly. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have to uh, pick this back up at another time. But let me just say in closing, um, this is a, an incredible moment to be the church in, in a moment where we're not finding solutions with the mainstream media. We're certainly not finding solutions up on Capitol Hill. I think this is a opportunity for the church to speak truth in love and offer real hope to a hopeless world. I think it's also an opportunity for us to continue to pray. I, I just want to challenge our listeners, continue to pray for Covenant Presbyterian, our friends at Covenant School, um, my friend Chad Scruggs, uh, pastor and brokenhearted father, yeah. as they deal with so much. Let's let's remember that entire community. Uh, but but we just celebrated Resurrection. We just celebrated Easter Sunday. Let's live in light of the hope that God uses tragedies like this. He he is the God that is in the business of bringing life out of death and light out of darkness. And, and let's pray. This is a city of God moment for our nation and for the church of God. And let's pray uh, that God would use a horrific tragedy like we saw a few weeks ago and use it for his good and for the advancement of his kingdom. And let's be the people that really change the conversation and elevate it to getting back to really what matters, which is uh, God and his kingdom advancing. Amen. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners to listening to this podcast, The City of God, made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. This is a weekly podcast, so I want to encourage you to continue to listen to this podcast wherever you might listen to podcasts. You can go to cityofgodpodcast.com to find all previous recordings. Also, you can find us Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you might listen to podcasts. Make sure that you also 
watch the video version on our YouTube page, D. James Kennedy Ministries. And if you enjoyed today's podcast or another previous podcast, be sure to share this with family and friends as we together tackle today's biggest issues in our culture all through the lens of God's infallible word. Thank you for listening and may God richly bless you.